Welcome to Down There Aware, a podcast bringing attention to gynecologic cancers and women's health care. Disclaimer, we talk about a lot of stuff on this podcast. Girl stuff, period stuff, personal stuff. So if that's not your cup of tea, you should probably turn us off. But there's a lot of educational opportunities to be heard. So we hope you stick around. joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm excited to chat with you lovely ladies. We're excited to have you. Mom's here too. Yes, Hi. I'm here and I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you too. It's been a long time. I know. I know. And and hopefully we'll we'll be seeing each other this summer. That's yeah. the plan. <laughs> so before Rachel gets started, just a little bit, we met Rachel at um, our sorority international convention last two summers ago. Um, and we sang in a choir together and it was super fun. Um, and so got to know one another. And then she graciously reached out to me when I talked about my diagnosis on Facebook um, to share that she had also um, been diagnosed with a gynecologic cancer. Um, and then when we started the podcast said that she would be willing to come on and talk about her story. So, um, we're going to let her do that today. We're so excited to have her here. Oh, thank you so much. And what a great way for us to be able to have conversations and, uh, be empowered and feel that we are completely safe to be able to share these, these stories about really an unfortunate and, Kind of an un uh, an uncomfortable topic for a lot of folks. Um, mm-hmm. Alex, you know when when uh, you shared that you were having you were having problems, and then unfortunately it turned out to be a gynecological uh, cancer issue. Uh, you know how how many women do we know in our circles where we look and we um, you know, we know that have had some kind of an issue or some kind of a, of a serious health scare that has gotten them, um, you know, into, into some of the waters that I think that you and I were, were both treading, um, at some point in time. So again, I just commend you. And I think that the more we can, we can normalize these conversations and empower women to seek help and to seek answers and to really advocate for themselves, we're all doing a great service for um, keeping each other healthy, emotionally healthy, and uh, just really abreast of, of what's out there and what kind of opportunities and options women have in order to combat these um, just very horrific diagnoses and situations Absolutely. that they go into. So tell us a little bit about um, your your story, how it all began with the diagnosis, if you will, Rachel. Sure, sure. So I, um, I, I think when I first started becoming aware that there was something drastically wrong, you know, other other than having really painful um, menstrual cycles, and you know, um, we as women were conditioned to just grin and bear it, get through it. Uh, you know, this is pain that we generally deal with on a monthly basis, all that kind of stuff. 
I had my 40th birthday and my mom threw me this really nice, fun party and I had not been feeling well. And I'd actually been having some problems maybe about a year, year and a half prior to turning 40. And when the pictures came back from the party, my mom said, you know, she said, you just look really kind of drawn. You look like you didn't, did you not feel good that day or, or whatever. And I had been um, really battling uh, some pretty horrific symptoms by that point of extreme pain. I had um, lengthy bleeding. Um, there was just uh, night sweats. I didn't know that I was essentially entering into kind of a, of a pre-menopause situation. And when I sought help from my doctor, I really didn't get a great response in knowing what was wrong with me. And um, I sought uh, numerous doctors and numerous opinions. Um, sometimes I would, I would have just these long drawn out periods of bleeding and, and things like that. Um, and it just didn't go anywhere. So I finally through just by luck and also just um, using my network, I, I have a really good friend that our boys grew up together and she was a nurse and a in um, a clinic that happened to um, be part of my uh, managed care group. And I was able to get in with a really wonderful uh, gynecologist and really start my journey. But by that time, I had been um, extremely ill and I honestly thought that I had uterine cancer. I had a situation where I was, I was bleeding and it was not your normal, you know, cycle. Um, it was, it was very, it was very scary. And I finally went to the hospital and the doctor that I saw happened to be, um, a female doctor and was very open to talking with me. And she also had said that she was extremely concerned and she went on her own and got on the phone and said, I'm not releasing this woman until we get her into somebody like right away within 24 hours. And, um, that started, you know, my, my journey, long story short, I did not have uterine cancer. Um, it was uh, it was a relief, but my grandmother had actually had uterine cancer post menopause, and so there was a there was a familial history in that. Um, what I did start having conversations with the doctor about was, it sounds like you've got endometriosis. It sounds like you've got some other situations that are going on, but where the cautionary advice from the doctor would always start would be, oh, you're so young, you know, you're barely 40. I wouldn't want to take you and put you into, um, into menopause early. And, you know, I, I think you reach a point where you're just so miserable and you're so sick and you're tired of, of having some very exacerbating symptoms that, you know, that, didn't really bother me. I just wanted to feel like I had control of my body and I had control of, um, I had control of, of, uh, decisions around what was going on and, and how it was affecting my health. So I refused to do the birth control 
um, suggestion that she made about going back on birth control pills. Um, I refused that. And the next opportunity that she gave me was to do a IUD implant with some hormonal um, medicine or, or just hormones that were, that were, um, you know, I guess manufactured into the IUD. Um, I wasn't too crazy about that situation. I tried it and immediately it was, it was pretty much a, a recipe for disaster. My body didn't respond well to it. Um, I was uh, feeling uh, very much like I, I was just on top of having, you know, those other unfortunate circumstances with the bleeding and, and all of that. Um, I, I then uh, developed infections and, and the IUD was not, was not a great way to go. So every time I would go in, I would, I would just beg, I would say, please, please, I need a hysterectomy. I, I know, I know that this is not going to get any better. And this is just really affecting my life and affecting, um, you know, my, my quality of life. And again, it was just this real conservative, well, you're so young, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to put you into uh, menopause in, in such a shockingly, um, you know, medical way and, and all this and that. So finally I sought a second opinion and I, and I went and I saw her boss and um, that doctor also said that, that she would treat me along the same uh, regimen that, that my doctor had been treating me. And I, you know, I was really ambivalent at that point. I, I, I felt still that even though I really liked this doctor, that I still maybe wasn't completely being listened to. And um, I was still very concerned about health-wise what, what really was going on with me. Um, so we finally got to the point where I had an ablation done. And that for a lot of women is just a really great opportunity for them to get relief from these really nasty symptoms and, and um, the situation, especially if they're having prolonged menstrual cycles and, and, um, and, and heavy bleeding. Um, what was supposed to be basically a, a 20 minute, you know, in and out surgery. Um, I didn't get out for at least a couple hours after they took me back into the surgery. And I remember coming out of uh, recovery and, and kind of waking up and everything. And um, the doctor came right back. I remember the nurse went and got her and the doctor came right back. And she said, well, she said, um, we got in there and you've been, you've been back in the surgical suite for about two hours. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know, and I'm coming out of the fog of the anesthesia and um, we found more polyps and, and we found more evidence of concern than um, what we initially thought that we were going in, going in there to find. And my first question was, oh, well then did you go ahead and did you do a hysterectomy? And she said, no, no, we, we didn't do that. We need to, we need to do pathology for the hysterectomy to be done. And I, and I just remember, I just, I just sat there and I just said, are you kidding me? You know, you had the opportunity to go in there and remove this. And, you know, this, this by this time had been two years of, of just some pretty intense 
um, treatment and, and stuff like that. And I was just dumbfounded. Well, it is just amazing that, and just like, you know, it's very similar to my story. I knew something was wrong and I wanted it to be fixed and you weren't listened to for so long and you do what you think is right. And these professionals sometimes are trying to be super, super conservative or, you know, tell you that you, they don't want you to go into menopause or they don't want this. And you're like, just fix it. I know what needs to happen. Please do mm-hmm. it. Oh, completely. And that's one thing that when I was watching your story unfold, I was, you know, really feeling um, deja vu. Uh, again, you know, that here we have a, a younger, a younger woman. And yes, it is a radical change. But if it's going to be something that's going to save your life, because, you know, you're allowed just to, um, you know, basically languish with, you know, all of this concern and and these these medical things that you know aren't going well um you know why not why not let let the uh the surgery happen and restore the quality of life so when it came back that i was tracking then and again i was just convinced that you know just like my grandmother i i had uterine cancer um and when it came back that, that I was tracking for cervical cancer, I thought, okay, well now, now, now then after they were already in there and, oh, by the way, the ablation didn't, didn't go well. Um, that maybe lasted for, you know, a, a few weeks of, of having lighter bleeding. I, I didn't stop bleeding really from the point that I went in and saw the first doctor the one that was so angry that I was bleeding to the point that, you know, she said, this is really mimicking uterine cancer. I'm, I'm concerned about you. Um, you know, to, to the point when I, when I went in then, you know, for, for finally for my hysterectomy. But when I had the conversation with the doctor, she, she kind of acted like she was giving me a choice, but I really wasn't given a choice. And I'll explain that. Um, when I, started conversing with her about, okay, what are my options? And again, you know, I was pushing, I was pushing that, that I, I just wanted to feel better. I just wanted to have my quality of life restored. I just didn't want to be, you know, constantly bleeding and not feeling well and experiencing all those other really unfortunate and just really un, um, unsavory side effects from, from having, you know, a constant, menstrual cycle and, you know, just what that does to you, um, emotionally and physically and, and spiritually and, you know, all that. I mean, I just was so tired of just feeling yucky and so tired of just feeling like, you know, self-conscious, you know, um, because I got to the point where I couldn't wear Tampax because my flow was so heavy that it was absorbing things too quickly and I couldn't keep, I couldn't keep them in for amount of time. And then, by the time, you know, you would need to remove them. Well, you know, it was just a vicious cycle. So basically I, I, I tried to keep my, I tried to keep my humor, but you know, basically I was down to Barbie doll mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> That's about what it was. I and, you there, you know, and, and, and then it was just like, oh my gosh, you know, every single time, 
you visit the restroom and if you're in a public restroom you have to be you know i mean i was to the point where i could map out like safe public restrooms where i knew that you know i i could i could feel safe and and you know and, and have it have it be somewhat clean you know all, all just that that kind of real unfortunate stuff but these things that we start to do you know when we're in this situation and so you know i i go in and and i'm really I'm just really at the end of my rope with the doctor. And she said, well, you know, we could do a radical hysterectomy and that would throw you into immediate menopause. And it would be, it would be um, the old school cut and you wouldn't be able to um, drive for a couple of months and you'd be out, you know, out of work and out of commission and, and you know, that that's, that's pretty radical or, we could give you the opportunity to go on to um, a drug that would essentially put you into a synthetic menopause and that would shut you down. And then that would also um, let us be able to um, get the uterus under control in order to go in and, and remove it easily. So really being at my wits end, I went ahead and I, I opted for the injections and I was put on to Lupron and Lupron is a very, very interesting and scary drug. Yeah. I was really, um, when you, you know, mentioned when we were talking about your story, I had never heard of Lupron. Um, and so when you brought it up and it really seemed like it was a, a big part of your story. And so um, I would love to hear so much more about, you know, how you made that decision and then how it affected you, because it seems like it um, was a pretty nasty thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so Again, I, you know, I really felt that even though the doctor gave me two, two options, um, I still don't feel that if I would have said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to try the synthetic menopause and I'm not going to go the lupon route. You know, I want, I want a hysterectomy and I want it now. I, I still don't know if she would have actually followed through and done it. Um, and you know, when I went on to the lupron injections, um, that drug is just, it's just so crazy the way in which, um, it's, it's utilized. It's a, it's, it's not considered, um, for women, it's not considered a chemotherapy drug per se, but for men, some men who are going through prostate cancer treatment, it is considered a chemotherapy drug. So essentially, I mean, what is it? You know, it's a chemotherapy drug. That's what I was confused about because when I Googled it, because I had never heard of it, it said it was a synthetic sex hormone, but then it said it was chemotherapy. And I was like, so what is it? <laughs> exactly. It's a devil's elixir. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, and then for um, some uh, adolescents, it's uh, it's given to them if, if they're going into into early, um, early, uh, you know, sexual development. And and then in other circles, it's used um, for for people having infertility treatments for women having infertility treatments. So, I mean, it's it's all over the map and it's scary. And, you know, I went through 
I went through um, three cycles of, of injections of Lupron and I'll never forget the first time I, I went in. Um, the nurse who administered it had said that she'd had, she hadn't taken Lupron, but she'd had kind of a, kind of a wacky, um, you know, pre-cancer diagnosis and, and that they immediately had, uh, felt that her indicators were high enough that they would go in and that they would have done an, um, a hysterectomy right away, you know, versus having her go through, uh, some of these other options. And I was thinking, Oh, geez, you know, that's I'm glad, glad, glad that was great for you. But, you know, I'll never forget. She's fully gloved up. She's fully gowned up and they bring this syringe out and it's a glass syringe. And it looks like something that you would see in, um, you know, kind of like a, a Dr. Frankenstein kind of setting. I mean, it's, it's pretty scary. That sounds terrifying. It was terrifying. And I, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize how this was going to go. And so you're only allowed, at least this is what, this is the, the course of, of treatment that, that I was put under, um, you're only allowed to have the injection for your entire lifetime, um, you know, no more than 12 months in, in the, in the way in which it was being administrated to me and, and used, you know, in my course of treatment and only two times per injection site. So here, you know, I'm already freaked out. I'm already just so worn out and just so sick and thinking, okay, this is going to give me some relief. I walk in, you know, I've got Dr. Frankenstein's plunger that's going to, you know, it's going to go in and, um, she's all gloved up. She's all gowned up and I get the injection and then, um, it was okay. Well, you need to sit here for a half an hour then. And if you have any kind of a reaction, um, you know, then, you know, sit here. So long story short, I, I go and I go through kind of the honeymoon period of, of Lupron. And what happens with a lot of folks is they're so, um, just drawn out and sick and, and having so many problems with, you know, with, with everything that we've, we've discussed with, you know, my, my symptoms. Um, well, that stops it because essentially it puts you into a synthetic menopause and, um, you start feeling better. You're like, Oh my gosh, you know, I mean, I, I can stand up straight. I can, I, I feel like I, um, you know, I'm not going to, uh, need to, you know, chart out every, bathroom, you know, that I'm, I'm going to be encountering today and, and, and that. And so I'll never forget. I, I got a check-in phone call from, uh, from a nurse and it wasn't the same one that gave me my first injection. And you could tell she'd been a nurse for quite a while. And, um, she called and she said, well, we need to check on and see how you're doing and all that. And I said, oh my gosh, I said, I'm feeling good. I said, um, you know, I'm really feeling positive about this. And she goes, well, she goes, it's Lupron, just wait. And I said, well, what do you mean? And she goes, well, you're in the honeymoon stage of it now because you've been so sick that this is going to, um, you know, this is going to make you feel better, but you've got a long way to go. And, um, this is a, this is a tough, it's a tough regimen. It's a tough drug. And I thought, wow, I thought that's really, um, defeating 
to, to hear that. And, and, um, you know, I mean, it just kind of left me with a bad taste in my mouth, but the thing, the thing with this, this drug is that, you know, there really at that point in time was, was really no, it was, I was at a point of no return. So every three months I would, I would do these injections. Um, and I will, I will tell you that, you know, by the, by the end, I didn't realize how badly affected I was with, with the Lupron. Um, I was aphasic. I couldn't, I couldn't some days I could not talk in full sentences. Uh, I was having some real cognitive impairment by the time that I was about ready to have my hysterectomy. Um, I was affected with uh, kind of a neuropathy in my lower extremities. And even though, even though at that point, um, the bleeding and those other unfortunate symptoms had, had overcome again, you know, they were there, they, they weren't as, as radical and, and as bad as before I started the Lupron. But, you know, my symptoms were just so, so strong that even with that Lupron, it didn't stop. And, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't understand what was, what was wrong with me or, or why I was having so many, you know, problems with, with being able to know what was going on. Uh, I work from home. I had three teenage boys. My kids are super athletic, you know, super active. Um, I was fortunate to be able to work from home and I really didn't realize just how compromised that, that that drug had made me, uh, right. Let me, let me just cut in and ask you about that before you go on, because I think, um, it might help clarify things. It were the doctors you saw when you, uh, had Mm -hmm. the terrible bleeding, um, and they wanted to try the uterine ablation and they Mm -hmm. wanted to try the Lupron. What was their reason when you um, seem to prefer going ahead with the hysterectomy because you were the one dealing with all the symptoms, what, why would they not do it simply because of your age? It was my age. And, you know, I, I've kind of come to, I've kind of come to realization, you know, non-scientific, what, whatever, but, you know, I think that we as women, we will look at other women and we will hear their stories. And, you know, again, this goes back to the whole socialization of, of our women and our girls, you know, when, when they, when they get their period and, and, and they start down that road, suck it up. We all have, you know, it's all uncomfortable. It's not, you know, it's not the most glamorous thing. Um, but I really felt that there was a lot of just, just almost this um, transference of um, my symptoms, you know, are are not as bad as what I'm what I'm putting it out to be because I'm talking with another woman. So where I thought that that I would find some kind of uh, empathy with maybe somebody who'd had some problems or, or maybe had had um, serious issues themselves. No, I, I mean, I even had one doctor and I, I can laugh about it now, but I mean, I couldn't believe it. She was, she was young. 
she definitely, it was definitely a, a residency stop for her. And it was one of the times when I had just, you know, gotten to the end of my rope, you know, and was in the emergency room and I was begging for some kind of intervention. And I mean, I literally, and again, I, you know, I know, Hey, I know it's a podcast about down there where, but you know, I had bled all the way all over the exam room, you know, they'd sent me down for urine samples. I, I, I was a trail of blood and everything like that. And she was writing me a prescription and she wrote me a prescription to read a book about menopause. Oh my goodness. You are kidding me. And I looked at her. No. And I looked at her and I said, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to tear the pages out and basically, you know, make my own way to stop this bleeding? I mean, you're really telling me me that you're prescribing that I read a book about menopause. And, and so, Mm. you know, so there was, there was kind of this, this give and take of, you know, I would, I would get my hopes up and I would finally get in and I would finally, if finally, you know, have to drag myself in and then I would get, you know, something that insane. Um, but you know, I, I do, I, I feel that, um, maybe if I would have had a male doctor, it, it would have stopped sooner because I, I could have advocated and played upon the, you know, that, male doctor never ever had gone through any kind of a of a health incident or or ever had you know had a menstrual cycle or or ever you know went through these unfortunate things um so i i almost feel that that was a detriment that i had that i had women doctors uh, and wouldn't you think it would be just the, the opposite, opposite that a woman would be able to empathize with another woman? But I think you hit it on the head with um, people, if, if they haven't experienced it, they might have a difficult time being empathetic and understanding someone else who's doing going through the same thing, but it may be lesser degree or more painful. And, um, so they're unable to just get outside themselves and listen to what the person is saying. And that's what it sounds like. Completely. And, and I do think that there's definitely, I think that there's definitely some bias as well, even though, again, I really did like my, my final doctor. Um, you know, there was some, there, there had to have been some bias. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a small person. Um, I've, you know, I've never been a smoker. I've never, I've never had uh, other real horrific health situations. I've never done, um, you know, any, anything that would maybe put me into precarious situations where I'd caused anything health wise. But, you know, when you're telling me that, I need to just get out and exercise and this would make me feel so much better. And it's like, well, I can barely walk standing upright. How in the heck am I going to go and feel good? You know, that I can, that I can go exercise and there, there's something, there's something bigger than this. 
Absolutely. And that's just the story that I heard. I'm also not a small person. And it was, oh, this is normal for people who are overweight Mm -hmm. like you. This is, you know, it's really normal to have abnormal bleeding because you're fat. It's really, you know, I heard everything in the book. Um, So it's interesting that on opposite coasts, you know, different um, years, different research that's happening and the doctors are still kind of stuck in that mentality of, oh, well, this is the first thing that's wrong with everything. Mm-hmm. It starts here. And it's like, well, but not necessarily. Like that's, you know, not always the case. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rachel. We definitely have more to talk about. Um, And we will continue the conversation in a future episode. But we just wanted to thank Rachel for coming on and joining us and sharing such a personal story that affected her. And just to remind everyone that not everyone is the same and all medical issues should be discussed with your doctors. But this is just another story of a woman not being listened to, and really dragging out what she knew was best for her body. She wanted a hysterectomy. She was done having children and was at an age where she wanted to make that choice, and doctors convinced her otherwise. Again, we just want everyone to be down there aware and to be empowered to have conversations with your doctor because you know what's best for your body. You know what you're feeling. Again, thank you so much to Rachel for joining us. So thank you again for listening. We appreciate your support. Please like and subscribe to us on whatever platform you're using and share with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Down There Aware, on our Facebook page, Down There Aware, and on our website, www.downthereaware.com. Thanks for listening.